Hello, hello, everyone. Welcome back for another week of the Max Potential Habits podcast. Today, I have on an exciting guest for you who's going to bring you all kinds of tips and tools about how to treat your business like a business instead of a hobby and how to protect yourself and grow your business in a way where you are not going to have downfalls that you could have if you don't treat it like a business. I'm not gonna go into too much detail here because we have on our wonderful, amazing, powerful, <laughs> Jennifer. You know, I didn't ask how to see your last name. It's Gligerich. Gligerich. Oh, it's funny. I didn't ask you up front. Gligerich. So Jennifer and I met on LinkedIn. We had an incredible conversation. I said, you got to come on my show and talk to listeners about how to help them protect their wealth and build their business in a powerful way because she has 20 years of experience building businesses, helping them scale. She's a powerhouse. And beyond that, she has an inspirational, incredible story. So welcome to the show today. I'm so excited to be on today. Amanda and I had the best talk. And then we, uh, I was like, I can't wait to be on her show. So I'm like really excited to be here and to get to meet all of you and talk to all of you and share, share my knowledge. Awesome. Okay. So thank, thank you. That's great. So mm -hmm. I, I want to know, and I know listeners are going to want to hear your story because, you know, so Jennifer and I were on, you know, we always get on a zoom with people and go like, Hey, you look like you could be a great candidate for my podcast. And then we talk and chat and I go, I, I dig and ask questions to understand what you can bring to the table to the audience where you're going to bring tips and tools and strategies. That's always one of the big things. But then when I heard your story, I was like, Oh wow, this is powerful. So will you share your story with listeners? Yes. Yes. And actually for me, it's almost like I've lived so many different lives. It's weird, but I'd like to share my story. I talk about it a lot, even though to me, it's almost like it happened to somebody else because so much time has passed and I've managed to overcome it. Um, when I grew up, I had, my mother was, uh, an incredible business woman. She owned the largest employment agency of its kind in our area of Texas, which is south of Houston, so the Houston Galveston Metroplex. And she competed in a mostly male environment, putting a cruise on land offshore in the oil and gas industry in a time where most women didn't work. She even had a pseudonym because most women, when they worked back then, they didn't use their actual names. They would come up with a business name. So this tells you, and it was a while, while, you know, while ago. And uh, so I grew up getting a skill set that I think all kids should have because it helped me through a very trying time. So I worked in her office as a little kid. Even when I was the smallest, I would set up the typing tests on IBM Selectrix for people who would come in to go into the plant. These ladies would stick in a cigarette, light it, and then they do their whole test. And it was ah. in, on, on an IBM Selectric, it's electric, and there is no autocorrect. You have to manually set up the metal uh, margins. There's no center. There's no italics. You have to manually do it all. Bolding is typing a letter, hitting the backspace key and typing it again. And these women could do 80 words per minute. So they were machines right at this. And I learned about, I would, I've been in so many interviews just sitting on the floor in my mom's office. I learned how to, how to interview, what questions would be asked and the best responses. And so that really helped me because everyone in my family crapped out at the same time. 
Like if you met my family now, you'd, you'd think, oh, she grew up with a silver spoon in her mouth. But I actually was a pregnant homeless teen. I lived in a shelter when I had a shelter. Sometimes I didn't. Sometimes I, got, I was lucky and had a tent or a car I could sleep in. And I managed to go to University of Miami um, and, and make it through that, get a bachelor's in business. And the only reason I don't think I succumbed to like drugs and alcohol or, or someone like Jeff Epstein, which are all, they have people like that, that prowl the streets in Southern Florida, um, is because I had a presence about me that I learned from my mother and I knew what to say and I knew what jobs to get. And I was able to just to be different than, than the people around me. Also, I worked very hard on my accent. I come from Texas. I actually have a natural Texas accent. And I spoke to a woman at the shelter and she was like, you're going to have to work on that. And, and I thought about it and she was African-American. Um, she was actually originally from Haiti and, and I said her family had immigrated to Miami and she had the most beautiful speaking voice I ever heard. And I remember thinking she was so professional. She just sounded like she just walked out of the halls of Harvard and, um, and so I remember thinking, yeah, that's the greatest. If you take off everyone's clothes, how they speak and how they act, that tells you a lot about who they are. It also transcends class, gender, race. And so we have a unique ability here in America that if you can learn the accent, the language of business, the uniform of business, it'll open up doors all over the world. Any country you can go to, you are perceived as a business person. It's like a universal passport to anything. It's very powerful and I hate the fact that we have entire people trying to degrade that now because that really can break people out of, like me, being homeless. When you learn that skill, it's quite different. And, I, and I've seen people learn that skill that are every gender or orientation, and race and they've managed to be very successful compared to the people who, who don't do that so i know it works anyway mm -hmm. so i got out of it went into sales marketing hr because that's what my mom did and i and i kind of learned that from osmosis and i ended up in a 25-year career doing crisis intervention for businesses didn't start out like that it started out really with terrible employers. I was hired for one thing. I just worked really hard. I kept on taking extra jobs, extra jobs, and then they'd want to downsize and just load, see how much they could load that little girl up. That's really how, how it started. So I would learn, I learned accounting and I learned sales and I learned whatever I needed to learn because you have to be scrappy when you don't have a pot to pee in. And um, I also learned uh, about real estate, became an investor. And then about a decade ago, my specialty morphed into running virtual organizations, which is now everybody's talking about it now because COVID is, is a big thing. But I've been doing that for a decade, um, ex expanding companies like this. It's the workplace of the future. We don't need to be clogging our roadways, adding to uh, admissions for the majority of jobs. We have everything we need with the internet now to educate our children at home, protect them, work from home, and to do everything that, that we need, really. But we're, and we're not utilizing it. It's like we have the greatest resource and we're just wanting to, you know, look at cat videos and, and, and gripe about politics, <laughs> which is a little <laughs> bit annoying. But anyway, so um, last three years, my focus has been asset protection uh, for real estate investors. About 98% of my uh, clients are real estate investors. Other 2% are entrepreneurs. And I help people, either they're new or experienced, set up the right 
entities, so LLCs, S-Corps, um, other structures, to keep them anonymous, keep them safe, and then also to protect their assets. So I show people that how they do business and where they hold their assets need to be completely separated from one another. The people, real estate investors are a unique risk other than all the other people walking around on the face of the planet. So in the United States, there's about 100 million lawsuits a year. 25% of all Americans will get sued sometime in their lifetime. For a real estate investor, their, their risk goes up to 95% in the next 20 years. It's not when, I mean, it's not if, it's when, because they're low-hanging fruit. There is a problem with the lien system in the country. It's way too easy for people to put liens against property. So you have vexatious attorneys and people that don't have insurance or people who literally make a living off of suing other people who work hard. Wow. With, and uh, so if they can put a lien against something and try to get you to settle and not go to court, that's the game, man. That is the gamble. Interesting. So I try to prevent them from being able to do that. Hmm. So you help people set up their structure to protect their assets by creating different LLCs, S-Corps, different things like that. Well, yes, but I'm, uh, for real estate investors, there are two specific structures that okay. you can't just go get. One is called a series LLC, okay. and then it has to be masked under an anonymous structure. Another one's called a Delaware Statutory Trust. Again, you need to mask that under an anonymous structure. Okay. So a lot of people get an LLC and they'll go on protect with the LLC. And I'm like, is the LLC in your name? Are you listed on a member on the state website? Yes. Well, how is that protecting yeah. you? Yeah. So you want it to be anonymous. And even a lot, and, and these, these things aren't just for real estate investors or people who want to protect themselves. It's also a very useful structure. And I know I had to talk to a, a bank about that for someone. I said, so your, your one branch policy, because I've worked with your national chain before and they do it all the time, in order to set up a bank account is you will not help victims of crime to set up a bank account. And the guy goes, what are you talking about? I said, well, there are victims of crime who have uh, protective orders. There's somebody who has hurt them and they have a court order and they don't want that person to know their address. They don't want them to come to their work. With workplace violence being such a concern, as well as domestic violence, your branch's policy is that you won't set up an anonymous LLC. Even though you know who the owner is, the IRS knows who the owner is, Right. The only way an, an outside person will know is if they subpoena the IRS or they subpoena you. You are refusing to provide that protection. The manager got only set it up immediately because, of course, these structures are in place to help a wide variety of people, yeah. uh, not just real estate investors. And when the bank and the bank knows who you are, so the bank person in confidentially will know that you are the beneficiary of of this agent trust that's been set up so that you can protect yourself. They know, and the EIN is tied to your social security number, so the IRS knows. So you're not hiding anything from yeah. the government. You're not hiding anything from the bank. What you're doing is protecting yourself from criminals, and that needs to be allowed and talked about a lot more. Interesting. Yeah, um, so many different aspects to think about. Before we even go deeper into that, I first want to go back to your story. When, how did you end up homeless? I, I don't know if I ever learned that. Well, at the time, my entire family, I didn't have a single adult that was there to help me. And it was right at the end of school. I ended up becoming like an emancipated minor mm -hmm. and there was no one there to help me. Okay. And I just fell through the cracks. Okay. And uh, I think that if there would have been, 
you know, back now there, you don't know what you don't know. So I'm sure there was probably some place I could have gone that would have been a little bit more helpful. But of course, I'm a kid. I didn't really know. I might have been a straight A student. I might have been really a good kid, but I still didn't have those, those resources. And yeah. also, too, I grew up in a fairly affluent area. So, uh, and I say affluent, it was, it was Texas. So it's not like really affluent, but it's, I think there are things that were targeted. So like, I don't know how to say it. It's, it's a type of racism that they just assume, well, you know, you're white, you're a good student. You're not on drugs. There's really nothing for kids like me. I mean, nothing. You're just on your own, right? Yeah. There's gotta yeah. be some other failure and they don't want to talk about it. I mean, our culture, white culture is we don't talk about when there's a problem. Yeah. We don't talk about it. If you're poor, we don't bring it up. It's gotta be your fault. You're supposed to be better than everybody else, which is, which is very racist because all humans are alike, but there's this unspoken thing. We're not like everybody else. Right. Which of course is racist. Yeah. So, so access to programs for you, you didn't see any access to programs. I didn't, for you. Yeah. I didn't yeah. see any, they don't talk about them. And then there's this underlying thing. When I did try to get to programs, there was very little help. There was a severe pushback. So, yeah. um, and it was at that time, it was a different world too. Yeah. So I ended up getting pregnant and then I didn't want to tell anybody because I felt like I'd ruined my entire life. Yeah. And, uh, I was on my own, you know, played a little, <laughs> and that's it. And that's how it happened. Yeah. And it was actually is the worst thing that can happen, but it was the best thing that can happen. I was taught so much I remember thinking, as long as I have my driver's license, I can make it through anything. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. I mean, to me, what really stands out about your story is your tenacity, your, you know, your ability to pick up on cues that you needed to pick up on in order to become a powerful businesswoman. And you listen to the right, because I I remember it was when we were talking the other day on Zoom, you, you said something about the way that you dress. You know, so now I, that, that other layer, you were talking about your accent and how you were like, oh, I need to work on the way that I speak, the words I use. Mm-hmm. And then you also talked about the way that you dress and, and there's a, you know, the uniform, the business uniform and how powerful that right. can be in treating it like a business. Will you talk about that a little bit too? Like yeah, how well, you I, basically molded yourself into a businesswoman and you identified that way, you stepped into it and then all of these doors opened for you because you were owning the business persona. Well, one of the things was <laughs> when you have, uh, well, at that time I was, uh, I stayed at Covenant House, right? So they have what they call the loan closet. People will donate clothes and they tend to donate like interview clothes. So of course, anything that could be in out, outfit, that was always taken first, like a club outfits. Those were always taken. <laughs> well, I didn't ever look for that. I always looked for things I could mix and match because you're only allotted so many articles of clothing. So it was a black skirt, a white shirt. I looked forever for a nice blazer, black pants, right? And I knew I could use those for a uniform if I had to get that or something else. But I was going for an office job because that's what I actually knew how to do. And then how I did my hair, I didn't have access. You know, your makeup is something that you don't really get. So it's hard to get very made up. So whenever I had scrounged some money, being able to get just a couple of pieces to like, you know, when you're young, that's all you need. Now I need need (laughs) backle in a vat, right? But you know, little things like that and uh, just the attitude of it. You know, I was able to clean myself up in a very basic, simple way. 
I mean, these were free hand-me-down clothes that didn't really fit great, but that compared to comportment and having an attitude. I think really it was the, the attitude I think I could even rock poorer clothes, but I don't, I don't know. I'm glad I yeah. didn't have to. Yeah. Those, those little things, you know, it doesn't matter how little you have. If you can cobble together that, um, I beat out people who, who were more degreed than me for interviews and, and, and yeah. jobs all the time because, and don't talk about yourself. So if you're sitting there and you're like, I'm in a shelter um, with the kids, right? Because something bad happened in my life. Um, I'm going to tell you the first rule. Don't tell anybody about that bad thing. Don't tell them where you're living. Another thing I learned in the, sh in the shelter is people would put that as their address on applications. I never did. I put the physical address and then I put apartment number and I put the dorm room I was staying in. Nice. So they had no idea it was the yeah. shelter. Yeah. Other people wouldn't. I'm like, I'm never going to put that on there. Yeah. I, I want to be, you know, one thing you learn when you're homeless, uh, which can be good and bad is. I can blend. I can blend and be invisible very easily. And that is, uh, was also a skill and a detriment because times in interviews, you don't want to blend. You want to stand out. And when you're so used to feeling beaten and down and hungry, I mean, I can tell you there were times where, uh, I don't want to go into all that, but I, I've known, I know what it's like to have not eaten for days and to not know if I'm going to die or not. And yeah that, that can change things, but you have to get over that because, yeah. you know, you have to get over that. You have to, when you get an opportunity, you need to pounce on it. I mean, there's just a lot of things I learned. A lot well, of things that think, scared what, me. What drove you in that direction? I mean, cause it, you're right. When people are in that moment where they're hungry, they see limited opportunities, don't have an education at the moment. What, what for you, some people could turn to drugs and alcohol or, you know, be very depressed. You took it and you went this direction. What would you say did that? How, how did you do that? What was the mindset around it? What were you thinking? The first four to five years of my life, I was with a loving family who took great care of me and my core personality taught me mm -hmm. that I was valuable and that I had, I was valuable. I honestly don't believe that that little children who are abused when they're little, that they, I don't see them being able to do the same thing because I met so many of them and I thought, why can't you just get over it? But their core as they, who, who they were as a human being was irreparably broken in my mind. Mm -hmm. And I don't feel like they can repair that. So I was incredibly blessed that my early life, I had great grandparents, brothers and sisters that were still at home. My brothers and sisters are much older than I am. By the time I was five, they were married and out of the house. Mm -hmm. And that's when things started to slowly degrade because they took care of me. Mm -hmm. And I was loved, taught I was important, taught I was valuable. I wasn't beaten. You know, things degraded later on. But that core of being a valuable human being was ingrained in me. Mm -hmm. Every single person I met that didn't have that at that time, they don't have the skill sets it, it's a brokenness that they're going to need a lot of years of therapy and it's just not available for them. And so yeah, it's I interesting. It's very, yeah, but I, I, I so agree with you. It's those, you know, when we're zero to, they say seven, usually we are sponges mm -hmm. to our, yeah. our reality and our environment. And so if you're getting a lot of love and a lot of building the beliefs that you're valuable, huge, mm -hmm. huge, huge benefit. And I've also, you know, I've done um, research with incarcerated men who were turning their lives mm -hmm. around who had really traumatic childhoods. And so I think it's possible, but you're okay. right. It's a lot harder 
And yeah, see, I, I haven't met past. anybody. Who yeah, yeah, I haven't met them. So this is just my experience. Yeah. On my experience, yeah. the people I've tried to help ended up, you know, really screwing me up. Yeah. So I, and, I, I just sadly, to... you're right. If they, it, and this is the thing, you know, in mindset <laughs> training, like I do a lot of mindset training and I, I work with entrepreneurs. I don't work with, uh, you know, like in a, in the, you know, in the trauma population anymore in right. the same way. Of course, everybody experiences different versions of trauma, but yeah. I do believe that that inner core belief, whether you come, what, no matter what childhood you come from, whether it's right. super healthy or lots of abuse, you develop ideas and beliefs about yourself from those messages right. you're getting. And so getting into a space of, of working on self-love to me is, mm -hmm. is one of the core things I do with people is going, oh, how do you how do you change your belief system when you don't believe you're worthy or valuable? Because not everybody has that. And even right. if they were in a loving environment, some people still get interesting messages where they think I'm not worthy. I don't deserve it. I'm not valuable. It could be a religious message they're getting. It could be mm -hmm. from teachers or siblings or friends, or they could be bullied at school. You know, there's so many different ways that we get those downloads. So it's really powerful yeah. to me that you you know, you, you were homeless and, and it, and it sounds like you had a lot of love around you and, and you developed some really important skills over your life course, but it's mm -hmm. such a powerful story to think, you know, in that moment when you're homeless and you're in a shelter, you could go lots of different directions. <laughs> and instead, I think it was know, the core that this is not me. I think, and I think everybody has that. We yeah. all have our rock bottom, right? And years later when i had reconciled with the people who who had hurt me because because i re recognized that they were very sick and they needed help and it was years you know when i talked to to those people and i went into al-anon mm -hmm. and uh, i started listening to that and at the time well it was alateen and is al-anon and then i i've attended aa meetings i'm not an alcoholic or an addict but i had this desire to understand like how can you do that to people that you supposedly love right Mm -hmm. And I listened to so many stories and it was amazing to me. One person's rock bottom could be almost dying, uh, went to jail, you know, the most horrific things in some people's rock bottom, they did all that and they died. And then like one lady I listened to, she was a cheater on her husband who was lo loving. She hated herself because of it. Cause there was no reason for it. She had debased herself a million times that marriage and what stopped her from drinking wasn't all these these times that would have made anyone else i thought just stop you know like yeah. what if, are you a monster what are you i mean she did sound like a monster like i don't see how he could have forgiven her right how anyone could forgive her but her rock bottom was she had the kids in their car seats in the car and she hit a curb after school because she'd been drinking mm -hmm. and they just started crying she didn't hit anybody else she didn't get in a wreck but that that was it the terrifying thought that that I could have yeah. not of all the things she actually did that were actually devastated people none of those yeah. that was her rock bottom it's different from every single person so and she true. turned her life around almost immediately wow yeah so, it's so uh, true yeah yeah that yeah, struck so, me a lot you know that's amazing and you're so right it's like someone's rock bottom might be that like getting in a car accident and killing people versus someone else's might be you know, your boss tells you something. And in that very specific moment, you're like, nope, that's it. I'm done being treated this way. I'm done right. taking it this way. I'm done. You know, it's so fascinating. Humans are yeah. amazing creatures. They really are. They really are. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But I think what's really important to point out for everyone listening, you know, what, no matter where you are or mm -hmm. what space you're in, what your past is, you can choose in this very moment right now to shift mm -hmm. in a new direction.
And, you know, I think Jennifer, something you highlight that's really powerful is if you decide I want to build a successful business, you decide I want to build a successful business. Right. What does that actually mean? It means you adopt the behaviors of a successful business person. Mm -hmm. which is what you've done. And now, you know, so share with us, you've, you said you've, uh, you've helped other businesses scale and you've been an entrepreneur for the last 20 <laughs> years. Mm -hmm. You know, what are some of the biggest challenges and or ways that you've helped people scale? So first let's go challenges. What are some of the common challenges you see with businesses who want to scale? Well, if I'm brought on, it's usually after a fact, you know, I've been brought on in startups and that's, that's different. That's a, just don't know what they don't know. Right. Mm -hmm. So that's a different after the fact, it's usually the same thing. They have the wrong structure in place or they, they wanted to get sales. So they did sales and marketing first and they ignored structure, sometimes even compliance, uh, tax filings these basic things and they bring me on because, and then it's a host of problems. Well, we were, we were sole proprietorship and then we did this and then we did this and we hired a couple of people, but we didn't file this. We didn't file this. It's amazing that those things are really what takes so many companies. It's not the sales and marketing. Had they invested in the beginning and just, gotten more funding, went out for that other loan, sold whatever they needed to sell and got that in place and continued with almost the same thing, they wouldn't be nearly in all the problems they were because mm -hmm. it's a domino effect. One thing affects another, then the morale goes down, then you've got this, you've got this, you've got this. So then you have to go and fix all the foundational things that are in there. Mm -hmm. I'm going to tell you that it is rarely the sales or the widgets that people are selling. It's not because your marketing brochure blows. It's usually HR. You've hired the wrong people, put them in the wrong spot. You're paying people the wrong wages and you're not managing them correctly. Mm -hmm. That is what tanks every, I would say 99.9% .9 of the companies I've mm -hmm. been in. That's what tanks it. That's interesting. Yeah. And so when you say that, I was going to ask you, when you say structure first, you're talking mm -hmm. structure of the cultural organization along with mm -hmm. some of the, the business structure that needs right. to be set up. Yeah. Like you need to have an LLC. It, you yeah. know, it's better if you, you need to research your industry. If people are getting sued left and right, you're going to need that to be an anonymous LLC and you're going to need to go and get your, your ENO insurance or whatever insurance that you need. Those yeah. things are important because that kicks people out a lot of time. You know, one uh, malignant customer and they're and that's what I call people who are not really there to buy a service from you and utilize your service. There are people that actually just spend their life looking, who can I sue? Yeah. Or what can I do? They, yeah. They've got the eyes for that in every transaction they make. And you have no idea. They look like everybody else. Yeah. They stumble into your shop, you know? Yeah. So protection so upfront. Yeah, yeah, up front, yeah. that it's almost like okay. So there's two, there's two, there's two shops, right? One shop has its door open, wide open. Uh, your name, your personal name, is written owned solely by Mary Lou Stevens. The next shop has a company name. They have they have a lock on it, and then there's a dog. <laughs> Like who's, you know, who's like the yeah. easier target, man. So you just got to think about stuff like that, little yeah. things like that to protect yourselves. And you can still do that in a heart centered way. You can still do it in a way that's authentic for you in a good person. It doesn't mean that you're trying to be shady. I, I get that. You know, people who just want to prove that they're good people. Well, you don't have to do that. Prove that by your service being so wonderful. Yeah. Don't do it by just exposing yourself to, to being hurt. I mean, it's yeah. like, 
ridiculous. You know, you, do, you have a right to protect yourself in business and even in your own personal relationships. You have the right to have boundaries. So provide a good service, be a good friend, be a good partner, but yet have your boundaries and, and, and respect yourself and respect your rights. When you work from a thing like that, then it's, it's much different. You're, you're a lot more successful in the long run. And it's amazing how much easier it makes everything else. You know, there are companies that give you boundaries on what they're going to do, what they're not going to do. And it's amazing the customer response to that, even when things go wrong and they make mistakes. Map that out, yeah. you know, map yeah. it out and then have your responses to that. Yeah, two parts. I have two. One thing I want to say about HR, absolutely. You know, as you scale your business, making sure you hire the right people who mm -hmm. love what they're doing, who know your vision and your why, super important. The yeah, second culture. part, yeah. yeah, I want to ask, um, because, you know, a lot of the listeners are solopreneurs and mm -hmm. or are in the, you know, they're scaling, but they might be in a place where they go like, at what point? It, does it make sense to start getting all of those protective structures in place? Um, because, you know, in a startup, there's a lot of cost, there's lots of time, lots of energy that goes in. And it's unlikely that someone's going to spend thousands of dollars up front to set up a structure when they haven't built it quite yet. Yeah. When would you say is the critical time to do that? Well, number one, it doesn't cost thousands of awesome. dollars. Awesome. I was going to ask that too. An anonymous <laughs> LLC. Yeah. I mean, you can get one, you know, depending on what state you're in, you're looking at anywhere from 750 to maybe 1500 bucks okay. to get an awesome. anonymous LLC. So to, to put that off in lieu of a new fancy brochure, that's silly to me. You can make the brochure. You, you need to have the right structure. Right? So yeah. that's just one of those, but it's not sexy, right? I get that those things aren't very sexy, but those are the things that'll come and bite you in the butt later. So right okay. off the beginning, get at least yourself protected with that. And then as you grow, the moment you know you need help with someone and outsourcing is great. Um, my, my recommendation is when you start getting overwhelmed and realizing that you just spent five hours on email instead of the brilliance of creating <laughs> the product or servicing the product or whatever, that's when you need to get help for that. You need to not just, you need to let, learn to let go of ownership. Two, please do not get sucked into the cheap Upwork $3 an hour person from overseas, right? It's, I have seen so many people shoot themselves in the foot because communication, you know, if you're a U.S. company, I'm not talking about if you, yeah. if you have global people, you need to hire globally because you need to have, you need to have people at touch points of where your clients are. Okay. So figure out who your clients are and you're going to want to have your team mimic your clients, people who have a huge disparity of that. And we see this in huge global organizations start getting major, major, major problems. Yeah. So we're seeing it now and we're seeing it with, with, um, the ethos of the kind of socialist, big Google, Facebook, Twitter, Insta, Amazon tech mag, you know, megalis, right? And uh, you don't have to be like that. I realized that they got very successful, but they didn't grow very successfully by having the exact same mindset that, that you're seeing pan out now that the government has come in and all this other stuff has come in. You want to look back to the beginnings and say, hey, they hired people they like, new and trust. They worked out of their garage and mm -hmm. then they, they worked with people they like, new and trust, yeah. right? And they yeah, became you know, wildly I, successful. Yeah. And then 
at one point, and I'm going to say this and people are going to agree, at one point they became really successful and, and, and had the ability to be very happy. And at one point in time, you can see on these big people, and they talk about it later on. Steve Jobs talked about it. Uh, Jeff Bezos almost like kind of scaled over it. In their bios, there was a deal with the devil. And they ended up shaking hands with that deal to go this, uh, to, to, to become these world people. And then it's funny how things started to go down, like personally, then you have these, uh, you know, cheating rumors and the wife yeah. and, and now there's all these women and there's all this, this, or you lose touch with this, your best friend breaks up. And then you have all these manufacturing things in China that you're doing and all this other stuff like that. And all these people said, but what about us? We helped you. And you're like, well, I've got to scale through and I've got to grow. Yeah. And I'm here to tell anyone that those stories are warning stories for us. Those are the knee motivators for us. Look at the beginning part and how they did honor the people they were around. They valued the workers. They tried to, to, to get them what they needed. Those are the stories what we need to talk more about because those people were successful and they had every chance and they talked back about the halcyon days of Apple, the halcyon days of, of Microsoft for a reason. Yeah. Yeah. Something I want to highlight. I mean, what, what you're saying is building your brand with integrity. Yes, really, very right? much so. Staying much in so. that, like what is our, and that's why I said, you know, aligning with when you hire, what's the why and what's the vision and do the people you're hiring align with that? How do they mm -hmm. align with it? How do they carry it forward? Um, and, you know, I, I, the the VA, you know, the, the outsourcing of VAs, mm -hmm. it, it has been an interesting topic in a lot of the people I work with, of course. And for me, similarly, you know, I was like, oh, but my team is like, I vet them. They're, you know, one of them's local. The other one is, is in the States, but like we talk every week on Zoom and, you know, it's like, he knows my brand. He knows my voice. He's in alignment with my mission. And, and so is I have my, a completely remote team. I'm all for yeah, remote teams, totally. but I'm not for our people who really want slaves. If yeah, you're actually yeah. saying, well, why should I get someone who can do this up, up the road or two states down when I can hire somebody for a dollar fifty? Yeah. Well, that I, to say, me, I do want to say this. This is interesting because I've had some people who I'm absolutely definitely outsource in, in mm -hmm. you know, and pay, you know, five to fifteen dollars an hour for VAs who are offshore. But it's but mm -hmm. I, I go they they also in in that context, them that amount of money is a lot of money. So it's, it depends. I think it depends on the business structure in some ways. For me, I disagree. It does, for me, it doesn't work. And that's awesome. We totally can. I'm saying it mostly because I know a lot of my people do have those VAs. So I, I know. There's a I, and you know what? It's, and I can see why that has to happen in some things. And I've yeah. used, I mean, I have people that I work with now, but I pay them a, a living, a, a living, yeah. a, a more living wage. Like I have a friend yeah. who's in the Philippines and they were just offered a job for seven bucks an hour. And she, she called me and she goes, you know, 18 bucks an hour is what my brother just got offered right out of university. I have a neutral English accent. And yeah. the guy said, it goes, hey, so anyway, I'm gonna go to Starbucks. Do you know what Starbucks is? And she replied, now she lives in the Philippines, right? Yeah. And she said, yes, we have Starbucks. I have a Tim Hortons up the street. I have a this and I have a that and that. Yeah. And there was just crickets. And she said, I, I don't know what Philippines he's thinking about. Maybe the ones from the 1800s, like globalism. <laughs> has actually changed I see. Okay, that so living wage. You're not rate. saying not to hire VAs from other countries, but you're saying pay them a living wage. 
Pay them a living wage and respect them just like you would. Okay. But also gotcha. too, you're going to want to vet them. So she has a neutral yeah. English accent. Yeah. You, you, she relates well to the clientele. The clients are not saying, I couldn't understand them. Yeah, I, 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 uh, this is a problem. No. You know, I don't feel like they, they understood me. I had to keep on repeating myself because the colloquialisms, you yeah. know, there are phrases that we, that we use as native Absolutely. English speakers. <laughs> It'd be like me talking to people in England. You know, and I'm like calling in to, you know, yeah. they're trying to say, well, Bob's your uncle, blah, 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 blah. It's English, but I don't get it. You know, right. and if you know what things. they're talking about, it doesn't work. Uh, what, what I love that you're saying and, and uh, overlapping, overarching theme is protect mm. your brand, protect your business. Yes. Protect your brand, with protect integrity. your business. And it was, you know, it's funny because when I was looking to um, high, delegate and bring on new people to my team, I was like, oh, who do I want to hire? And I kind of did the, I looked into the VA thing and I was like, I, on the interviews, I'm like, they don't understand my brand. There's not an understanding of like what I would, what my voice would be. And like, this doesn't work, you know? So I pivoted right. and did other things. And I think in certain contexts it can work, but that's really what I hear you saying is protect your brand overall, both legally, protect your assets, set up a structure, make sure you're protecting it through HR and the cultural ethos of your company being united yeah. and carrying You don't pay forward. $5 an hour just to pay $5 an hour when yeah. you've got to go back and revise, edit, be on constant meetings with them, micromanage them. Yeah. And by the end of the day, you are paying 30 to 35 bucks an hour for the yeah. same person you would pay someone probably 25 bucks an hour. And they're like, okay, so you want these three emails and you want me to load them up in, in the CR and make sure that they go out to everyone. Okay, yeah. great. Awesome. And then yeah. they're done it in three hours. Meanwhile, you've got this one person and it's a three week long project and they're working you full time. I have not, I've told I've seen that oh, so yeah. many times and I've thought, okay. And they're like, oh, I can't pay that. I'm like, yeah, you can, because you're yeah. only going to pay that person for three hours. Yeah. And you've been having this person on the dole for almost a month yeah. now. Such yeah. a good conversation. Okay. For everyone listening, okay. I know, I know we got to wrap up in a minute. So for everyone listening, I think that's, I, I could talk to you for a long time and I love that you disagreed and we can talk, you know, talk through it and go, what is it really here that matters? Yeah. Um, I, yeah, because it's okay to disagree. It's okay to disagree. You get my yeah. best friend. She, I'm very conservative and she's very liberal. She'll say, yeah. I'm a Southern Baptist Buddhist. And I'm like, what is that even? She goes, why do you care? I'm your best friend. Okay best friend in the whole wide world so you know you can agree so to disagree yes. and be friends okay share with listeners what are the top three max potential habits that got you where you are today uh love people so value other human beings nice be an optimist at heart and be determined Ooh, high fives those are awesome Love it. Good. <laughs> Those are great. Okay. So everyone, you've been listening to Jennifer. She's the COO of Leafy Legal Services and the co-host on Leafy Podcast. So where can they find you if they want to use your services to protect their assets and or listen to your podcast? Just go to leafylegalservices.com. That's L-E-A-F-Y legalservices.com. No, we, we don't deal in, in pot. I don't know why people think that, but we get that a lot. It's leafylegalservices.com. And our podcast, Leafy Podcast, is on there. We're also on iTunes, Stitcher, anywhere you can find a podcast. If you like it, please rate us. That's really important for us. I'm curious, just so listeners know, what does your podcast cover so they know what they would be getting? 
it's heavy real estate and entrepreneurship. And then every now and then I have a really great coach that comes on to, you know, that will talk about either mindset or how to scale a business. Um, and it's pretty, pretty focused, but a lot of it is real estate, like looking at, uh, looking at real estate through those eyes. So I would say 80% is, is, is real estate, but entrepreneurs still are always curious about that. And the other 20% is across the board. Anyone's going to be interested if they're interested in being an entrepreneur. Awesome. Yeah. I'm coming on for mindset. Mindset. I know. I can't wait. I can't wait. Thank you so much. Also. Oh, I want to let listeners know you offer a free consult, correct? Mm -hmm. It to look at their business and help them figure out what a potential structure would be. Mm -hmm. Yes. And that's on your website. Absolutely. You just go on, you can book, you can talk to me for an entire hour and I will awesome. You will get a lot out of it. I'm certain. And I, yeah. Mm. Awesome service. Thank you so much for being here. Lots of fabulous tips and lots of valuable tips and and things that people don't always talk about in business scaling. I think it's been really insightful. So thank you so much for being on. It has been an absolute honor and pleasure. And I had a great time. Awesome. All right. Everyone listening, check Jennifer out, listen to her podcast, and I will be back next week. I hope you have a max potential week where you thrive and feel alive. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Max Potential Habits podcast. If you're liking what you've heard, it would be so incredibly awesome if you would subscribe to the channel and leave a five-star rating and a written review. This helps me help more people while we grow our NFA community so we can rock it out together. For Max Potential Habits resources, go to nfacoaching.com where you can access all of my resources. There's free ebooks, PDF checklists, a journal template, a business mindset meditation kit, and so much more. Plus, links to NFA Coaching on Instagram, YouTube, LinkedIn, and Facebook. And if you're super serious about up-leveling, there's also a link to schedule a free consult to work with me in group or one-on-one coaching. Until next time, I hope you have a Max Potential Habits Day where you get inspired to do whatever it takes to transform into the most empowered version of yourself so you can lead a rich, thriving, kick-ass life and business.